0: Think about the concept of rare. It's often synonymous with unique, valuable, precious. But what about in the context of disease? Rare diseases are defined as having an extremely low prevalence, yet an estimated 30 million Americans have one. That's one in 10 people. Listen as we uncover some of the inspiring stories of lives touched by rare disease and see how, in the end, we all have rare in common. I'm your host, Andra Stratton, and I have a rare disease. Since my diagnosis with partial lipodystrophy at age 37, I've become a voice for my community, first through the creation of the Patient Foundation Lipodystrophy United, and now through public outreach and national awareness campaigns. Today, we're speaking with Justin, who has familial chylomicronemia syndrome, otherwise known as FCS. Join us as he shares his story from searching for a diagnosis to managing his condition, and finally, the hope offered by a new treatment. Hi Justin, thanks for coming in today.
1: I'm glad to be here, thanks for having me.
0: So today we're gonna to talk about your experience living with a rare disease. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about the type of disease you have and when you were diagnosed?
1: I have a disease called familial chyle micronemia syndrome or FCS for short.
0: So we'll talk
1: about it like FCS
0: through, it's a mouthful, so.
1: <laughs> right. Okay, great. Um, so FCS is a, um, the chyle microns in your body don't work Properly, um, so they don't. You can't process fat, so fat stays in your bloodstream um, and works its way to your pancreas and causes pancreatitis. We also can't use fat for energy or to lubricate muscles or joints, so we are deficient in in the fat usage and energy uses for it.
0: Yeah, that's really good explanation. Um, so if it It goes directly to your pancreas. Um, That sounds pretty dangerous.
1: It can be very dangerous. I've been, I would say, one of the luckier ones that is able to catch it before it becomes catastrophic to my pancreas.
0: I smile because I appreciate you saying lucky. I do know that you have had um, multiple episodes of pancreatitis, so what does lucky lucky look like to you? How many times?
1: I've been to the hospital Approximately 30 times. Wow. And then I've dealt with it at home, probably double that. So uh, since about 2008, so about 10 years of that.
0: So since 2008, you've been in the hospital that many times. Were you diagnosed in 2008?
1: No, I was actually diagnosed uh, three years ago. So I went from 2008 to 2015 without having a diagnosis.
0: And what, what, was the, uh, what was the explanation for these episodes then without a diagnosis?
1: <laughs> That's uh, kind of amusing because there's a lot of explanations. And yeah. Some of them were as um, you're too fat, you need to lose some weight. If you lost some weight, you wouldn't have these problems. Right. Um, you're a closet drinker. You drink yep. too much alcohol. Um, well. as you
0: know my community in lipodystrophy also receives those two reasons and This is almost the, the primary thing that they're told is it's your fault and you're not telling us the truth yeah and that's how does that feel when that happens
1: It's devastating I mean you think of all the things that you're trying to do to help fix the problem and they're saying that you're not doing those things and you're you're basically just disregarding what they're trying to help you with.
0: So after the first time in 2008, even though you didn't receive a diagnosis, did you make changes? Did Was there anything that you thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, I need to do this? Did you know?
1: Um, I knew that there was a problem and there was a reason for it, but we didn't know why. So I started a program where you drink shakes, fat, and we found out later that they were fat-free shakes. Okay. And that was the reason this worked for me. Oh, so
0: that was an effective? It um, was. Okay.
1: Uh, The problem was that's all you had was shakes. So for three months, I was on a shake diet and exercise plan, and I lost over 100 pounds, and my triglycerides came down, and I felt great and had energy. But then, when I weaned off that program and started introducing food again, uh, I went right back to having pancreatitis.
0: Yeah, that is not necessary. That is not a sustainable.
1: No, unfortunately, it's
0: explanation not. or or not a sustainable lifestyle. Just shakes for the rest of your life. So you went on the shakes, uh, exercise, lost the weight. Uh, although, to be clear, it was not the weight that was the problem. It right. just happened to be that the shakes were fat-free. Exactly. And then when you started to reintroduce um, food, like ev- everyday life food, you started to get sick again. Yeah. So what 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 did you try next?
1: Um, actually, I, when I started introducing food again, I got another round of pancreatitis. Um, the they said it was a gallbladder issue. Okay. So they said that a stone had gone down and, and blocked my pancreatic duct and caused that. And it wasn't from anything else but that. And then they they blamed the first two episodes on that same gallbladder issue. Because they were kind of backtracking. They didn't really have any idea what it was. Right. So that was a reasonable explanation. I mean, often people get that same okay. problem.
0: Right. So you might have actually felt like, okay, they're not actually thinking I'm drinking. This is something that could act. this could be the problem, right? Right. And, how, and when did you figure out that it was not the problem?
1: So I had my gallbladder removed. Okay. Um, about three weeks later. And then about three months later that I got pancreatitis again. So from that point, I had pancreatitis every three months. So until about December of last year, and I haven't had pancreatitis since then.
0: So you have your gallbladder removed. um, That maybe gave you a little bit of hope. And then you get the pancreatitis again, and then again, and then again. How did you feel?
1: I uh, deflated. I mean, I felt like I was going to die. Eventually, this was going to take me with no explanation, no real idea if it was going to affect my kids in any way. I was devastated because I thought I was going to leave my kids behind, my wife and my kids. Yeah. Um,
0: and you have
1: th- three beautiful daughters, three
0: beautiful and- daughters.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: without an explanation, I mean it's it's like what am I doing wrong? right, right right. So what did you all do at home to manage that?
1: So we modified our diets. Um, my wife has tried to manipulate our intake to trial and error trying to find something that works. So we tried vegan, we tried vegetarian, we tried. Um, high protein, we tried cutting everything out, trying to to figure out what worked
0: and was this just guesswork on your own, or did you have guidance? This was all guesswork.
1: We had no idea what was going on. We were on medications to I was on medications to try to lower my triglycerides that never actually worked they They might help for by a hundred points. Right. Here and there, and for normal people, 100 points is a lot. But right. for me, that's a drop in the bucket.
0: So you don't have to give us the exact, but like, what what range are we talking about in triglycerides here?
1: So, on a good day, on a really good day for me, I'm in the 1,000 range. Okay. On um, the really bad episodes in the 5,000 range.
0: Okay. So, what people don't know, I mean, I don't think that everybody walks around knowing their triglyceride level, uh, like you and I do, uh, and uh, quote-unquote normal triglyceride should be under 150. Right. So, do you ever get under 150?
1: Um. No. Yeah, I was close to that when I was on the program with that shake diet, but okay. even then, I was still in the 300 range.
0: So, the, I mean, this sounds a lot of years of very dangerous episodes and struggles. How did you finally get a diagnosis of FCS?
1: <laughs> so, I had a fairly, fairly extensive um, episode, and um, kind of. I was told by one doctor that, you know, if you had bariatric surgery and lost 50 pounds, you'd be fine. And then in that same day, I had another doctor say to me, um, sometimes people get pancreatitis and we don't know why, and there's nothing we can do to figure it out. So she gave me approximately a 10-year lifespan at that point. (sighs) So I went home. I was deflated. I was torn apart. I thought I was going to lose my kids. It was my... My wife and I—it was actually our anniversary, yeah. so it was hard to hard to deal with that. So, and
0: what year was this again? I'm sorry.
1: So this was three years ago. Okay, so, two, so it was your
0: anniversary three years ago. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, Naomi said to me, Naomi my wife. She said, "You can you can go rest, but you know I'm going to take over from here." And she she started doing more research than she had in the past and. Within about three hours of me going upstairs and just kind of breaking down, she came up and said, I found it. I found what? what it is. I know what it is. So she was looking up secondary causes of pancreatitis and found this um, hypertriglyceridemia and micronemia syndrome. So yep. she started going through it, looking, reading it, and then we contacted my PCP and said, I th- we think this is it. And he said, well, let me call the blood lab. And they said, "Yeah, good for a, him. That's a classic sign, so good for him for instead of saying no, right. no, not possible. So we're very lucky my p c p is a family friend who has gone through this with us, so wow. he's helped us. He wasn't my p c p until about a month before that episode. Okay, so he offered to take over as my p c p because he had some empathy for what I was going through and wanted to help in any way he could. So,
0: And he was willing to listen. Yeah. And think outside the box on that one.
1: Yeah. So we sent the... He had my blood drawn, sent it off to the Mayo Clinic, and within a week, he called me. It was 8 o'clock at night, and he said, your wife's diagnosis was correct. Oh,
0: my goodness. Naomi's diagnosis. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. She was upstairs, and I was downstairs, and I kind of just stood there for probably about 20 minutes going, we know what it is. And I couldn't even bring myself to walk upstairs to tell her because I was so, I was, I was happy. Yeah. I was excited. I was nervous for what that meant because I really didn't know the depth of it. Such a
0: flow of emotions, right? Did he say, okay, this is what it is and this is the game plan or... I mean, did, did you even think about that yet at the moment?
1: At that particular time, it was, okay, let's celebrate this win okay. and let's move on and figure that out after. So the, for about 24 hours, it was Naomi doing more research, trying to figure out more. But the, the actual familial chylemicronemia, or FCS, was not in the hospital system. So when she was telling him about it, he goes, I can't find that in our system. And she goes, he goes, where'd you find it? She said, Google. <laughs> so yeah. he actually started Googling it and doing more research and, and trying to help us figure out what we could do. So.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes Google gets a bad rap. However, the Internet is an incredible tool for rare disease. It is.
1: It really is.
0: And so, I mean, it doesn't mean you read something and five minutes later that's you're an expert. But <laughs> right. if you read something and you've been living with this disease for your whole life, I think there's something very impactful of saying, you know what, I'm pretty sure this is it.
1: And having the support of... Not only my family, but the physician, my PCP, made all the difference in the world. And his willingness
0: to to say, okay, let me do some work on this.
1: Exactly. So if if it weren't for those two aspects of this, I might still be in that undiagnosed area. So that was about three years ago, right? Yeah.
0: I happen to know a lot has happened in your world since then. What happened next?
1: So um, we... We actually came down to Boston and tried to find some doctors that might know more about it because what we could find was 20-year-old research um, that really wasn't something that most doctors touched on. So we were trying to figure out who we could talk to. Naomi went through um, Rare Connect and and Facebook trying to find any community that might know something more about this. And... uh, we got hooked up with a biotech company here in Boston and and um it it kind of exploded from there they helped guide us to uh what they were working on and and understanding our story and connecting us with other people
0: so for someone who struggled really struggled to to be validated in in this in this battle what does it feel like to talk with other people who have shared uh, the, the sim- similar struggles as you have, shared the same disease?
1: It's a, a relief that I never thought I would have. It's um, I finally have some people that I can say, hey, I did this and this happened and they go, oh yeah, that happened to me too, and I'm not the only one. So it gives me peace of mind, it gives me hope for the future. It gives me direction to go in. And we don't know the end result yet, but we know that there's something out there that we can reach for.
0: Right. So how has your diet and lifestyle changed since you know you have FCS?
1: So I eat less than 10 grams of fat a day. Um, I low sugar intake because that converts to fat.
0: Right. A lot of people don't know that. The sugars, those refined carbs get processed by your body, and then, up oh, there's your triglycerides. It's not just fat.
1: Exactly. So it's been a challenge in the sense that not a lot of people understand why, oh, you can just have that today, and you'll be fine. Just don't eat any tomorrow. Right. Well, that's unfortunately not how it works. It's
0: not a savings account. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. It's an immediate transaction.
1: So I am lucky because I have a supportive family and wife who my wife knows that food is important to our family. I grew up with food being important. It, it's how my grandmother used to, to tell us that she loved us. So Naomi developed over 100 recipes that are either very low-fat or fat-free Um right. She created—my favorite food is lasagna, and she made a lasagna that's next to no fat in it. So. I
0: love lasagna, and I, too, have to pay attention to fat and carb intake. And so, like, the Italian food is like, how do you miss—you miss your Italian food. Right. So that's, that's really fantastic that she's come up with these solutions for
1: you. I truly owe my life to her. She is— She's saved me from from not having a diagnosis to eating what I shouldn't be eating, to suffering. She's saved me in so many ways that I owe most of, if not all of this, to her. So,
0: how does your family eat?
1: So my my kids have elevated triglycerides as well. So my three daughters do. They, we haven't had them um, officially diagnosed, but they. They have, are on a modified fat intake diet, so they they actually eat less than twenty five grams a day.
0: Okay, just because they're still growing, exactly.
1: Right? So we don't want to we don't want to minimize how much they're taking in and end up having developmental issues in the long run. So right. we monitor them as closely as we monitor my own, and we as they feel uh, fatigue or pain from from what they've eat, we modify that as well. So it's a trial and error.
0: It's a lot of paying attention to every little thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And so the kids have gotten on board to the point where we'll go out to eat and they'll go recon the food that's there and come back and go, Daddy, you can eat this and <laughs> this and this. Mommy, you have allergies. You can't eat this or this. You need to stay away from that. So yeah. there are our little, our little soldiers that go out and protect us. So.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think some people feel very uncomfortable having the whole family involved, um, but it seems like a really effective way that you all manage it together.
1: Well, the reality of this is I can't do it alone. I would not be able to function trying to figure this out on my own. And having the support of my family, my my kids, my my wife, my, my mother, um, without the support of those people... I would kind of probably crawl into a hole and and hibernate. I I wouldn't have the drive that I do. Right. And I the drive got stronger when I found out the kids might have some related illness too. So did it. Yeah, it pushed yeah. me forward more. It's,
0: it's the mama and papa bear advocates right. that really, um, I mean, they're unstoppable. Very true. It's 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 one thing to have to fight for your own disease, but then to fight for your children's disease. I did not pass um, uh, it's a 50-50 for my type and I did not pass the disease to the girls and I'm very grateful for that Um, but I still think of all of the the children in the community um, and our littles and you just think like we've got to make it easier for them.
1: Right? That's what we're here for now. I mean once we found out what was going on we realized there wasn't enough information out there so between us and, and the other people of our community connecting, we've been able to push forward and try to help those people that haven't had any diagnosis to this point.
0: So now, I mean, you're learning so much. Naomi is learning so much. What what do you share with your physicians and what do you want them to share with other people?
1: So my my physicians, my PCP is, is uh, very committed to helping us figure out more and being involved in, in awareness So our goal is to raise awareness for the physicians. Realistically, these physicians are hammered with so much information, and they are trying their best to help everybody. Right. And the rare community, although each individual illness or syndrome is small, as a group, we're very large. So I would love to find a way to help physicians specialize a little bit more in in the rare world. So um, even if they don't necessarily know all about it, they know at least some symptoms or some things that they could see that they could help push forward and send someone to the right person.
0: Right. If, if you were to get a call tomorrow from someone who just diagnosed today, What's the first thing you would say to them?
1: I would have to probably focus mostly on diet. Yeah. Um, I would welcome to our community <laughs> <laughs> because, right. you know, we're a team and we're a family trying to help each other. And then I would, you know, focus on making sure that they don't suffer. The whole – the whole. Um, idea of ARC Foundation is to have one person suffer one last day.
0: So you're working with a foundation. Yeah. What's the name of the foundation? So
1: it's the FCSF or the Familiar Cot Micronemia Syndrome Foundation. Great. We've been together for two years now, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're very much in our infancy trying to not only help – raise awareness to physicians, but the FDA, and just get the, the diagnosis out there to other patients that have been misdiagnosed. Right.
0: Well, I mean, it's a, it's a whole world. I mean, you, you're going around you know, going about your life, and then you finally have a, a, a name for your condition, and then you have to not only figure out how to educate yourself, but then turn around and educate others. It's like, it's, it's like learn as you go. So diet, less than 10 grams of fat and keeping, you know, really paying attention to your sugar intake helps. Is that enough?
1: Um, Exercise is always important. Um, So because we don't have that fat that helps lubricate joints, we also have early onset um, arthritis Mm -hmm. and uh, muscle fatigue. Um, So I've found for me that Continuing to keep moving and, and ca- keeping exercising helps, um, so I don't kind of lock up and, and freeze up.
0: Right. So. And is that enough? Like, so if it, so, c- could you say like, oh, okay, well, just eat right and you're fine?
1: We base that ten grams on you still need some fat in your diet, mm-hmm. even though we can't use all of it, and that fat still builds because it's hard to get it out of your system. So. Just because it's 10 grams doesn't mean it it goes away after one day. It right. kind of builds and builds, and then it's really not if you're going to get it again. It's when.
0: So is there a treatment to prevent that building?
1: So there is a um, drug in trial that um, hopefully will help with that. Um, it's really looking optimistic from, from my perspective. It looks like it would be... Not the end all, but it will definitely help us with a, a better quality of life.
0: And just the the idea of that potential treatment or a potential approval, how does that make you feel?
1: Very excited. It's It's faster than I ever expected it to. I yeah. mean, first being diagnosed and knowing there wasn't anything out there or thinking there wasn't anything out there was really hard. It was good to know, but it was hard to still go, okay, where do we go from here? But really quickly, has it moved forward that this drug is coming out where potentially quality of life being better is going to kind of help us be able to maybe give more energy to help other people to get to that point.
0: Yeah. So you've got kids and no treatment yet, but a potential of treatment, what... How does your family feel about this treatment?
1: So before then, before this came up, we lived in five-year plans. We lived in let's do whatever we can to get ourselves to a point so that if I'm not here in five years, my family can still move on. That gives me goosebumps. My daughters stack firewood. They know how to mow the lawn. They know how my wife knows how to cut firewood. She knows how to live and continue to thrive without me now we 're actually planning on retirement. I never thought i'd get to retirement uh, when I turned thirty five It was like, "Oh my goodness i didn't think to live I was going to live this long so yeah. it's been it's been really kind of uh, kind of have to rework my my long term goals because i didn 't know I was going to have long term have goals
0: so I love that I mean, I live in the country too, and so I love having kids be self sufficient but I mean, the idea that you need to teach your children self sufficiency because you're expecting not to be there um that's a lot to bear
1: it, it was challenging it um it was kind of the way for me to feel like I'm leaving my kids a legacy of of how important it is to be able to provide for yourself and and not necessarily need people to to feel sympathy for them because they could push through right, but it was kind of my only way to to leave the let them know I love them, and I'll always love them, so when they're doing those things later in life, they'll go, "Oh, my dad taught me how to do that," even though he wasn't here very long so
0: So very recently, you mentioned that there's a potential treatment, and the FDA has the the FDA Advisory Council has advised the FDA to approve this treatment. It's not a final decision; you still have some time. Um, Did what did you say to your family when you found that when you found out?
1: Um, We got the news, and we kind of did a little happy dance. Uh, especially my wife was still at work and jumped up and did a happy dance in the middle of work. Yeah. Um the idea of that light at the end of the tunnel being that close is is really exciting. Um a little scary too because you don't necessarily know what that means after. But we're kind of looking towards uh what do we get to do now? Where where do we get to go from here?
0: Yeah. What did your kids say?
1: They were very, very excited because they've they've seen me go through the pain and and the suffering, and they felt the pain themselves, so it's exciting to know that eventually
0: I know that in the rare disease community, not everything is is easy, and so there will be more roadblocks, but you have a few answers, you have a huge support system, and we'll all work together. Um, you know, not just your disease, but your disease and my disease communities can partner and say, all right, we've got to learn more about fat. I mean, we really can be in this together and and work together to, to fight for solutions for all of us.
1: And I've found that actually getting to meet other diseases that are not even related to what I have has actually helped me under get more have more empathy for rare disease in general and have more um, passion and drive to help the broad Rare disease community opposed to just one thing. Yes. It's not about just us. It's about everybody that's suffering through any type of disease.
0: You're exactly right. I mean, I didn't ask you to say that, and it's a hundred percent true. We have very similar challenges. Our day-to-day diseases are different, but we really can help each other in so many ways. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rare and Common Podcast. If you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rare in Common. Click. Listen. Feel.